as we have been over the past few weeks looking at deity's declarations, the I am's of the New Testament, particularly in the Gospel of John. We've looked at I am the bread that men might be satisfied, I am, I am the light that men might see, I am the door that men might be saved, and I am the vine that men might be sustained, I'm the way that men might be saved, and today I am the life, there's three sermons in this one verse, <laughs> I am the life <clears throat> that men might be secured. Now we come, go from that verse to the rest and compare scripture with scripture to find out how Jesus is the life. Now, <clears throat> when you think of that, your, your mind, if you're a Christian for been a Christian for a while, your mind can go many places in the Bible, can't it? I am the life. Right from the beginning, right in Genesis, there where he created life. He created the life of people, created the life of the, of the planet and the, the creatures that are on the planet. And so <clears throat> today we look at the gift of life. It's a wonderful thing, is it not? We were not. Can you remember when you were not? <laughs> no. <laughs> we now are. And we forever shall be. Christian and non-Christian forever will be. In different places, of course. But that is a wonderful thing. That in the mind of God in eternity past, he designed it so. He planned it out. That we would have the gift of life. You and I, we all are individuals. Created in the image of God. There's some things we had no choice in, is there not, in relation to life. When you were born, you didn't have a choice in that. <laughs> but God knew where we were born. We'll go back and we, we were told where we were born. And uh, maybe you visited the place. The place I was born is closed down. Uh, Warburton, in the nut, I call it the Nutcrackers Hospital. Ask me later if you want to know what that means. <laughs> but that's where I was born and the Queen visited me when I was born. Just happened to be right on that day that she was in Warburton and she opened the hospital and, and I was in hospital. Mum, well, Mum was in hospital, I was in hospital. <laughs> and that's just the way it was. We didn't have a choice. Didn't have a choice in that matter, don't remember that. <laughs> to whom we were born, our parents... You see, when life came to us, all these things happened that we didn't have a choice in. And as Christians, we can say, God had a hand in it. <laughs> An unsaved person doesn't recognize that, though God had a hand in their life too. The time, the brothers and sisters, the people who were born with, the family we had, you know those ones, those siblings you fought with? You didn't do that, did you? Yes, thank you. Someone's honest. <laughs> that we did have our struggles with our brothers and sisters, but when we grew up, we didn't do that anymore, did we? Do we? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Uh, who's, who's the honest one down here? John, is it? <laughs> <clears throat> Where we were raised. Things we were taught. You can think back and go over, you know, when you get old, you start going over those sort of things. <laughs> I was talking to a brother 
David Bennett this week about where he was born. And you only have to trigger a thought, ask a question, and he's off. <laughs> and to where he was born and, and all the things that happened through his life, main, the, hitting the highlights of his life. All these things happen. God is in control. God knows all these things, knew all these things before they happened. He knew all our members. Let's turn to Psalm 139. It's a wonderful chapter that reveals these things to us. Psalm 139, particularly verse 13 to 16. You can go from right through the whole chapter. It's Psalm 139, and we'll read it, <coughs> read it verse 16. <coughs> Well, from verse 16. The, uh, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in, the book, in thy book all my members were written. Your height, the country of origin, your nationality, all, all your members, your, your talents, the hair colour, whether you've got hair. Huh. All these things, and had hair and no hair. <laughs> These things were written, which in continuance were fashioned. As things time rolled on, they come to pass, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! We should be thankful for life. We should be thankful for what he has done in our lives at our time. I'm glad... I'm glad I'm, I was born in the time I was. I would maybe have liked to have been born at about 10 years earlier, but it, it is the case the way it is. And if I was born 10 years old, I'd be 10 years older, and I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing probably now. But it's God's hand and purpose. Are we thankful for that? Would have you liked to have been born back in the Dark Ages? when most people didn't have access to the Bible. No, I wouldn't have. <laughs> because the light of the gospel has been spread in the 1800s, throughout 1700s, throughout the world. And the scriptures were translated into the tongues of many peoples. And we have that today. What a blessing we have. Do we use that blessing? We have a privilege, we have a responsibility. And there is no end to the things that we could come up with in considering and meditating upon God gave us the gift of life. Let's turn to the book of Acts, chapter 17, to our reading this morning. <clears throat> and we'll look briefly at this and move on to other portions as well. Before we read and look there, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the one that designs all things, even ourselves, right to the last detail. I pray, Lord, that we would recognize that fact and come to bow the knee before you, for every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. Lord, I pray that we would do that willingly, humbly, gratefully this morning as we bow before you. Lord, we think of the multitudes, the majority of people that do not recognize you, and we pray for their salvation. We pray that they would come to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ that can bring them into a relationship with their God that they never knew before, that those who are here today, most of us have that relationship. 
We are sons and children of God. And I pray that we would count it a privilege and a blessing and thank you every day for the gift of life. Lord, bless us as we consider your word and be with those that are not here or uh, used to be here and in hospital today and Lord, your healing hand might be upon them and that they'd be strengthened. Uh, Lord, not only in body but also in spirit today as they consider the messages that would be preached and praying for those that are able to go to church. Lord, bless now and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if you've got your outline in the bulletin, you can follow on there and, and fill out the, the blanks. But we have, first of all, the source. The source of all life is Jesus Christ. And we have this given to us in this portion of Scripture in Acts chapter 17. And as we were reminded in Sunday school this morning that <clears throat> Paul tailored his message to the people he didn't change his message, but he tailored it to the people he talked to and ministered to. And this he did uh, in, in a wonderful way in Acts chapter 17. And he's talking about the source of all life is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was in Athens, down lower in Greece, and he was on Mars Hill preaching his famous sermon that we have here. He's identifying the Lord as the unknown God, that is, to those people in Athens at that time at Mars Hill. We have the individuals that were given this sermon in verses 18 to 21. And there were certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics that encountered Paul. So we have their identity there, the crowd that he ministered to. <laughs> their insults were given in the last part of verse 18. What will this babbler? <laughs> How many times have you called the preacher that? <laughs> this babbler up the front. Maybe when you were a teenager and in rebellion, I hope, <laughs> back then, but not now. This babbler, this, this fellow Paul. <laughs> uh, they were willing to listen to him anyway, but they traded their insults. We see their identity and we see their idleness in verse 21. All, and for all the Athenians and strangers who were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to him hear some new thing. At least they were willing to listen, but here that seemed to be what their life was about. Yeah, they used to have soapboxes down in Melbourne, I don't know if they still do or around, where people could get up and babble and, and do their thing and be hackled. On these boxes, you, you had your time, you had, I think, a lot of time, get up and do it and get down. But that's maybe what something like they had there. But their idleness is seen in verse 21. And 19 to 20, we see their invitation to Paul. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine of which thou speakest is. They didn't know what they were just about to get. <laughs> but praise God. He was going to share that with them. We see the introduction to this sermon, not only the need for the sermon but the, and the individuals involved, but the introduction to the sermon, verse 22. We have then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions. And so he introduces there his observation. And, and folks... There's a whole message, another one here, on witnessing. But as we talk to people, observe where they're at. 
clue in. How can I testify to this person? What is the best means? What should I start talking about? How to introduce the conversation and move it toward the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul observed there, they were religious. Uh, He saw that as he walked along. (laughs) He saw the things that they worshipped in the last part of verse uh, uh, 23. As I've passed by and beheld your devotion, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship. Him declare I unto you, because he wasn't amongst all those. He, the Lord Paul could introduce the unknown God to them, and so Paul's revelation is given there to them in his introduction. And now the intention of this sermon is seen as we move on regarding the past. He talks in verses 24 to 26 about the Hebrew account. He said, God who made the world and all things that are in it, seeing he is Lord of heaven and earth and dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands as though he needeth anything. Seeing he giveth, what does he give? He giveth to all life. He giveth to all life. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, he's given physical life to you and breath and all things. Now, this is from the Hebrew account. Paul could relate that because he knew all about that. He'd studied it. And he had made of one blood all nations of men to dwell on the face of the earth. If if the evolutionists would just read the Bible, they would save themselves a lot of time and expense in just looking at what the Bible says and go by that and work from that point out. And not from their theories in. <laughs> determined before, <coughs> hath determined before, the times before, appointed, and the bounds of their habitation of the nations. And God knew where the nations would be. He divided them at the Tower of Babel with the different languages he introduced there. And so there is the Hebrew account. Now the heathen account in verse 25. Uh, Sorry, in verse 28 and following on. For in him we live and move and have our being as certain of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. You see the way that Paul used this occasion, observing the people, these heathen people, and introduced it through their their own little thing they had inscription to the unknown God, (laughs) whom ye ignorantly worship. He said, he is the one that has given you life. He is the one that's given you the position. He is the one that's planted you in this nation, wherever they were, where they were at Athens in that time. And we are his offspring. He's the origin. He's the author of life. We read there, as we, we go on, for as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the God his is like gold and silver. So we hit right on their problem. What was their problem? As he walked through there, he could see all the idols. <laughs> and he's hitting that nail on the head. We ought not to think that God, the God hid is like gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's devices. All these gods he swept away. <laughs> and there's one God I want to talk to you about. The unknown God. You don't know about him. I know, and I'm going to share him with you. At the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but 
winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. And so they're listening. They're hearing this. And so regarding the present, he's reaching out to them. He's, he's asking them to repent. And regarding the future, in verse 31, he's saying, because God hath ordained a day in which he will judge the world. He's reminding them that this person that gave you the life that you have, you are responsible too. He swept all the idols away and he said there's one person, one individual. And so it is today. Sweep all the idols of men away. Sweep all the thoughts and the theories of men away. Sweep evolution out the door. You know, if you had, uh, what's his name? The evolution uh, that got that going? Darwin. You had Darwin come back here today and tell us what the truth is. He'd have a whole different story about the origin of species. <laughs> the origin is God. He is on the throne. He is in control. And get ready to meet him. Because I've met him. And he could give the account that the, the man, the rich man, in hell, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. And said, dip the finger in, in water to cool my tongue. I am tormented in this flame. Ah, oh, we need to go back to, <laughs> to God, the giver of life. These people were told to go back. He has appointed a day in which he, he this God, will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. And who is that? By Jesus Christ in that he hath given him assurance, this assurance unto all men, in that he, God the Father, raised him, the Lord, from the dead. And so he is the source of life. Do you recognize that today? I believe most of you do. That God is the source of all physical life. And the reaction to this sermon is the same as it is today. It was back then. Some mocked in verse 32. When he talked about the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Others said, well, we'll hear you again. Yeah, you, you have those people, don't you? <laughs> Some people, when you talk to them about the Lord, they mock. You don't believe in that old-fashioned thing about God <laughs> and creation. Yes, we do. <laughs> Some delay, well, I'll hear you another day, and that day probably never comes. And others, notice, believed. Nevertheless, certain men, in verse 34, clave unto him and believed among whom were those people there mentioned. And so the reaction, how do people react today? Very similar way. So he is the source of all physical life. He is the sustenance. Let's go to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. He not only started it, but he keeps it ticking. If God took his hand off this world and life that he has given... There'd be big trouble. There would be no world. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. It's written, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. And, and here again, Paul goes back to creation, doesn't he? And today we have to really go back to the beginning. <laughs> A lot of the foundational doctrines are in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. By him were all things created, heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. This is God. He's the one that created. He owns it. It's his possession. 
we are involved in that. We have been created by him. And notice in verse 17, And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. That word there, consist, means to hold together, to be of one accord, to stand with. By him all things consist, hold together. You know, we see substances, we see wood, we see steel, we, we, and we know they're softer, harder, heavier, gold, haven't held much of that, um, silver, a little bit more of that, but, you know, it's all different. And we learned those tables in, in science, didn't we? In chemistry and things. We learned those t- the tables. God, God made all these things, and by him they hold together. By his word they hold together. You know, the scientist looks and says, well, it's, a, it's the law of science. No, it's the law of God that keeps these things going. It's the law of God that holds them together. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, he, it reads, He upholds all things by the word of his power. And that's a different word, uphold. Pharaoh, it's quite it's spelled a little bit different to Pharaoh in, in Egypt, but it means to endure, to go on, to let drive, rushing, to be driven. He upholds, he drives all things. He's the engine room. He keeps things going. He keeps the galaxies going. He keeps all the things out in space and things on this world going. In Psalm 36 and verse 6, Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. You see, he sustains it. He's not only the source of life, but he sustains it. And the heathen, the unsaved person, does not, will not recognize this. One day they'll know it, but presently they don't and don't want to recognize it. Over in the book of Second Peter, it tells us that one day he will say luo, which is a Greek for loose, like to loose an ass or a donkey or to loose your shoes. And he will say, let go. And we read that in first, uh, Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, where it reads, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works of it shall be burnt up. Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy living and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming day of God, in which the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. There in verse 10, it, say, it says, when this day comes, when the Lord says, let loose, it will just blow apart, and the big bang will happen. And all the scientists that believe in the big bang will say, yep, it happened, but not when we thought. It happened at the end, not at the start. And, and they, they'll have to, and they will, every knee will bow and recognize the fact that God is. He is the sustenance of life. With a great noise, it goes off. And it will be, as it said twice there, dissolved. Our life is in his hands. The life of the planet and every animal is in his hands. So he is the source, the sustenance, and wonderfully 
put together in the New Testament and the Old, he is the supplier of eternal life. He is the one that provides. You see, how can you have eternal life if you don't have mortal life? Which comes first? We've got to be born physically to be born spiritually, do we not? And so he is the supplier of eternal new life. Christ offers this to us. And this is found in John's Gospel that we've considered before in John's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 10. There we find that he is the one that gives us abundant life, as it reads there. Abundant life. The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You know, once you become a Christian and the, your eyes are open to what's going on, you have the wonderful thought of eternal life and you can live now with the assurance you've got eternal life in him, abundant life now and forever. And, and the things that he will give us in eternity I hasn't seen, nor he heard, neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God's prepared for them that love him. And we begin to search them out in this life. Abundant life. We have triumphant life in John's Gospel, chapter 1, and verses 4 and 5, and other New Testament references many. But here in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 1, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. It cannot, this life once given cannot be overcome. We are eternally secure in the Lord. And so we have triumphant life. Do you have that assurance of the triumphant life in the Lord Jesus Christ? It reads in Romans 8, 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I am triumphant through Christ over the law of sin and death. Not only abundant life, not only triumphant life, but eternal life. And where would you go in John for eternal life? John 3.16, of course, yes. And verse 15. And whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. So he is the supplier of new life, of eternal life, physical, spiritual. I mean, there is no one else we can depend on for this. He's the essence and source of all these things. He's the, the, the author, the beginner and finisher of our faith, as Hebrews tells us. Now, what do the scriptures state about this eternal life that we have? Well, it was only, I think, last year. We went through about 12 or 15 sermons on new life. <laughs> we considered the seed of new life, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, the seed of new life. Has that been planted in your heart? <laughs> incorruptible life through the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever, the source of life that we've mentioned this morning, the start of new life. It, can you remember Mac? You know, some folks have been baptized today. They should be able to give a clear testimony of what happened in their life. They can remember back to the start of new life. We were going along in in blissful ignorance as a child, not knowing how wicked things were and how good things were. 
sailing along through life without a worry, without a care. Mum and Dad paid for all the bills, put the food on the table, washed the clothes. You remember those days? It was a long time ago. <laughs> and we could just go out hunting every Saturday, all day, do what we wanted, looking for wombats and snakes and ants and blowing ants' nests up, or whatever we did when we were kids. <laughs> but uh, I can remember those days and I enjoyed those days. But there come a day when God spoke through the word to my heart and said, you owe, not, not you owe me, but you are responsible to me. I am God and you must submit. Have you come to that day in your life where the gospel was presented, where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth and the life? You must believe. You must obey the gospel. That's very important. And, and we're looking in, in Galatians about, about the gospel, the fellowship in the gospel. H- has new life started for you? Those people being baptised today, yes. You know, if they, if, they, if they can't declare that they're saved, they're not going to get baptised. They need to know that with utmost assurance. There's a seal of new life. Not only did God save us, he knocked on our heart's door and remember the day as the gospel was presented, but he sealed us unto the day of redemption in Ephesians. Twice over it says it very clearly in um, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. There's the song of new life. Once we're sealed, we're saved, we're sealed and we begin to read the word and, and then we have a new song in our heart. We have a song that, like Psalm 40, talks about. He set my feet upon a rock, established my goings. And we realise just how important it was that we met the Lord Jesus. And we thank God for the individual or the, the preacher or the parent or the Sunday school teacher or the youth group leader that led us to that point to know the Lord Jesus. And we, we have songs of praises to the Lord for that. And we have the sense of new life. We have the signs of new, the signs of new life. You say you're a Christian? James says, show me. Show me that you're a Christian. Let me see the fruits of the Spirit first. Let me see the fruits of a Christian in, in desiring to, to testify to other people about the, their need of being saved. Show me the fruits of salvation. The signs of new life, the steps of new life. Um, <clears throat> there are, and, and that's not so lo- long ago, late last year, we talked of that. The strength of new life. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And the surety of new life, as we read in, the, in 1 John, that ye may know. You can know that you're saved. <laughs> You can know that you're a child of God. You can know that you have new life in Christ. You know, when you look at this, God did it all. (laughs) We can thank him for that. It's all of the Lord. We're saved by the grace of God. We're empowered by the Son of God. We're predestined by the choice of God, by the purpose of God, by the will of God. We're accepted by the grace of God, adopted into the family of God, and on and on we could go. It's all of the Lord, sealed by the Spirit of God, filled by the Spirit of God and the fullness of God, justified by the grace of God. And you can think of verses that come to your mind when these things are mentioned. 
redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, kept by the power of God, possessed by the Spirit of God, (laughs) strengthened by the Christ of God, taught by the Spirit of God. Do you know these things? Are are these things happening in our life? Are you in the book (laughs) reading what God has said about these things? Get into the Word of God and enjoy that. He's given us life. Physical. You're here today. He's given you, if you're a Christian, eternal life. And we're thankful for that. He is the source. He is the sustenance. And he is the supplier. And he's given us the scriptures that we can enjoy to know the things of God. It's a shame that many don't know these things. They are saved, yet as the scripture says, by fire. But they don't dig into the word of God. Well, if you were in heaven and you were God, now we're made in his image. He's given us a mind to think. And, and you had done all this for this planet and the universe. What would you think about people that didn't even confess you? I think we'd say, done with them. But God has been very patient for 6,000 years. And I can state that categorically because the scriptures say it's only 6,000 years old, not billions of years. It's rubbish. Scripturally speaking. What would you think if people whom you sent your son to die for to give them eternal life scorned and scoffed and mocked at it when it was presented to them? How God must look down and how his heart must be broken because of all that he's done. And he he said, like he said to Israel, what more can I do? I've done all that can be done for them to come to me, to know me, and, and, to, and to fel- he created us to fellowship with him. That's what he did with Adam and Eve, and he's going to do it in eternity, that he might dwell and tabernacle amongst us. But yet they go on their way, and yet they pass laws in their country that defy the scriptures. And yet God will send judgment to our country, for us who defy that you know some of the judgments and I can see the hand of God in these in our country are because we have done and said what we did but the judgments are falling on people that voted the other way that voted for the right moral stand usually country people that, that know better that at least have a moral background I mean I don't say they're all Christians but I'm saying and the judgments are falling on them and hurting them severely. But the folks in the city who want to practice a sin that they did yesterday, was it up in Sydney again? They, they don't care. And they don't, they don't see that God's hand is in this. God's hand's in it all right. He controls the storm. He controls the rain. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. Let's recognise it. And let's humbly submit to him and bow before him and say thank you God for life (laughs) thank you that I can have the choice of new life and I can live eternally with you what a wonderful thing we have I am the life Jesus said it and it's all through scripture we just touched (laughs) a few points this morning let us pray thank you Lord for your word 
Thank you for the life that we have offered, <laughs> the life that we've been given to live a mortal life and to be able to think and consider the matters and meditate on these things that we can become Christians and, and enjoy eternal life and the knowledge of it. Oh Lord, let us dig into these things. Let's enjoy them. Let us be appreciative of them and let us show our reverence and respect to the God on the throne in heaven. And Lord, we know there is joy in heaven when one repents and turns to you. And maybe today there's someone here that needs to turn to you in faith, trusting the Lord Jesus as their saviour and receive eternal life. Speak to that heart today. And for us Christians, let us be appreciative and thankful always for what we have in Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen.